You're listening to the best morning routine ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lunid, and today it's an honor to introduce a very special guest to the show, Branch Isole. See, he is the founder of five small businesses and a thought leader around spiritual consciousness and being able to, you know what? He's an author. He's an author of 22 books, uh, multiple articles. This man needs no introduction. So let's talk. Let's bring him on and hear what he has to say. So Branch, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lee. Thank you for having me. It is an honor. Love, love having you on the show today. Thank you. Now let's talk about your, well, the beginning of it all, right? So you have five small businesses. Are they still in running? When did it all begin for you? One is still running. Um, yeah. It's been going, you know, for a long time now. The others were things that I was involved with sort of in and out, you know, short term, but highly successful. Uh, just, um, you know, new challenges are kind of what feeds me. Yeah. So I was raised in the 50s and 60s. So I have that kind of a consciousness background. I was in a military family, so we traveled. You know, and uh, the blessing of that is you get to be uh, in and with a lot of different cultures and a lot of different people. So that was a, a real formation part for me in, in my early years. After college, I went into corporate world and was in sales and marketing and uh, very successful there. But it wasn't as fulfilling mm-hmm. as it needed to be. And so I left that. And that's when I started, you know, entrepreneurship. and. Uh, About midlife, I I decided I needed to change my path and step away from a lot of the world's ways and get more spiritually grounded. And so in conjunction with that decision, came the decision to go back to school. So at midlife, I went back and got a master's in theology. And out of that experience came my first book and then my second book. And now 25 years and 22 books later, here we are. Hmm. Everyone else has midlife crises. You actually had enlightenment. <laughs> you went and <laughs> went back to school and did the studying and, and birthed uh, over 20 books out of it. That's correct. That is uh, quite a journey. And so besides just feeling unfulfilled with the corporate America and the nine to five, you went off and sought out entrepreneurship. And even then you went a step deeper and wanted to do spiritual, spiritual consciousness. Um, Tell us about that experience for you. Sure. You know, I was at a place in my life, like I say, I had been very successful, you know, in the corporate world, but I was unfulfilled. And, And as a result, I made some very bad decisions in my life. And out of that, came that this realization i knew that a there had to be more and Mm -hmm. b you know i needed to find out what that looked like in my life for me and so i actually was raised i won't call it a christian home we were called christians you know but for us it was oce occasionally christmas (laughs) and easter so i didn't have a real background in in christianity so my search led me for a search for truth. 
Mm-hmm. And in that, you know, experience, um, I studied other religions and spiritual belief systems and mysticism and some Eastern philosophies. And out of that search for truth brought me back to Christianity and the discovery of Christ. And so that was sort of the turning point in my spiritual consciousness. And then I had to start at, you know, ground zero, step one, and find out what that really looked like in in my life. And how do you apply that consciousness as daily activity? Yes, and that's not easy, right? That is not an easy, easy task to do. Tell us about the importance of applying that conscious spiritual living on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, people often don't realize that we are both spirit and physical, right? We live in a physical world, but we also have in our essence a spiritual aspect. You know, it connects us to the cosmos, to the mm-hmm. who our God is and to the universe. And because we get sort of buried under the layers of the world and the ways of the world, You know, that spiritual consciousness is often sort of on the back burner. It's not something that a lot of people are connected with on a daily basis. And so what one will find is that when you are spiritually grounded and you start to feed that spiritual consciousness, your life becomes more balanced. Mm -hmm. And out of that balance, then you have the opportunity to reduce the stress the struggle, and the conflict. And as long as you're not in that place, as long as you're sort of on that rat race pursuing the things and the ways of the world, Mm -hmm. without that consciousness, without that spiritual connection, then we're caught up in that cycle, you know, of the world. And it just sort of buries us under layers and layers. And we start to believe, well, this is all there is, right? Mm -hmm. And so... How do I get out of the dilemma and the issues and the problems that I face in my relationships, at home, at work, in my neighborhood, you know, and the focus becomes on that struggle and how to relief, reduce or relieve that struggle. And the answer is always already within us. That Mm -hmm. spiritual grounding allows us to see all the parts of our world. Yeah. And that. The ups and downs are part of life. It's going to happen. However, if we don't have that grounding that you're, you're talking about, then we run ourselves bananas, right? <laughs> we, we burn, run ourselves to the ground and experience extreme burnout, chronic stress, and where everything is situational. So we're ebbing and flowing with every up and down with every as things, situations happen in our life and there's no end. It's, it kind of leads to an emptiness at the end of the day. Well, sure. You know, there's nothing of the physical world that can actually fill the void of emptiness within. That has to be filled with something outside of the world. Mm -hmm. And this is why spiritual connection is so important, because it allows us to understand that there is something greater than us outside of our world, but that is also part of our world if we choose it to be so. You know, when we are only of the world and in the world, then our focus is only of the world and in the world. And because our focus is one-dimensional, then we forget about all of the other things in our life. This is why so many 
families and couples, you know, have issues because, you know, how was your day, honey? How was your day? And we discuss with our, the people we're most comfortable with and our, our connections and our, our love interests, we discuss with them all the successes and failures of our daily life. And yet that takes away from our time together of being, you know, who are we together? What What is our focus? I have a job, you have a job, but that's how we make a living. That shouldn't be the focus of our, our relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you said something that we are not of this world and we should think beyond the cosmic. Um, let's talk about the, the Christianity because a lot of people... Christians don't connect to the mystic world, right? It's either there's there's the Lord, there's Jesus Christ, there's God, and everything else is just foo foo. Uh, so let's <laughs> let's let's de- tell us about the interdependence, intercorrelation, how they're related, and how somebody who's listening who's just brought up in the church and there's only one way in bringing in the kind of both those two worlds together, if we can. Sure, sure. Great question. Um. People often ask me yeah, about different religions, right? And there's often this struggle for someone who is seeking that spiritual connection. And they go, well, should I be a Christian? Should I be a Buddhist? You know, should I be uh, a Muslim? Mm-hmm. Should I be an atheist? How can I make that selection of how I want to live my life, right? What is going to be my guiding principle? Yeah. The interesting thing about religions and basically all philosophies is at their core, they are all the same, right? Whether your master is Jesus or Buddha or Krishna or Muhammad, the core of your religion and its belief are all identical. They all are founded on the principle of love God first and most and treat your neighbor as yourself. And so, In that way, every religion is the same. The divergence comes in the master of that religion, that thought consciousness that you follow, and the things that that person has written or shared. And that's where we get the divergence of religion. But in our essence, each of us is spirit. If if we believe in God and we believe that God is the creator of the universe, then he is and he is spirit. We're told that as Christians in John 4 24, God is spirit. And if he is spirit and he's the creator, then we as part of his creation are spirit as well. So each of us comes into this life as a combination of mind, body, soul, which is our cosmic electrical energy. Mm that our spirit dwells within, within ourselves and our consciousness and our subconscious. So since we all have that in in origination, spiritual connection to God, we all have that innate possibility to reconnect with God at some time in the future. And as we come into this world, About age two, as children, we begin to understand the word no and what that means, right? Yeah. And so we grow up thinking that our actions are about right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And our systems, every system reinforces that because our systems, our legal systems are founded on this concept of right and wrong. But right and wrong in action 
comes to be known and comes to be experienced as reward and punishment. So as we grow, we start to think, well, if I make this choice or this decision, will it be right or wrong? But what we're really asking is, will I be rewarded or will I be punished mm -hmm. as the consequence? And as long as we are focused on, you know, we're on that plane, focused on right and wrong or reward and punishment, then every decision or choice that we make is all about me, right? What's the consequence going to be for me? Mm -hmm. And this is where the, the missing link comes in. When we reconnect with God and reactivate our spirit that's within us, for Christians, I'm speaking now, we automatically start to see the truth of our world, right? Because God is truth and God is love. And if we have his spirit and our spirit is reactivated by reconnecting with God, then all of a sudden the veil is lifted and we see the truth in our world. Once we recognize truth, we now automatically recognize the lies and the falsehoods and the fabrications that the world tries to produce in order to keep us in the world and of the world. When we have that reconnection, what happens is we now understand that every decision I make and every choice I make has not only a reward and a punishment consequence, but it also has a moral and or ethical consequence. What this means is now when I make a decision, it's not all about me. Because if I'm looking at the choice I've got, and I'm going to look at it from a moral and or ethical standpoint, then whatever my choice is and my decision is, because it's grounded now in morals and ethics, the consequence not only affects me, it affects my family, it affects my neighborhood, it affects my community. And that's the missing link. When one is not spiritually grounded, all we think about is what's in it for me? You know, it's all about me. So what do I need to do to make it work for me? And when we're in that selfish place, that place of the world's ways, then all we care about is how the consequence affects me. When we start to decide morally and ethically about the consequence, we suddenly realize the consequence not only affects me, but affects my entire life, my entire sphere of influence, my entire world. And that's the difference between somebody who is spiritually grounded and using that spiritual strength versus somebody who's still operating in and of the world exclusively. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're in and of the world exclusively, you cannot be balanced because you're not allowing your spiritual aspect of your life you know, to breathe and have any participation. So if you want to reduce the struggle and the stress and the pressure and the conflict, you simply get balanced. How do you get balanced? You reactivate the spirit that's already within you by reconnecting with your God. For the Christian, that's through Jesus Christ. For the Muslim, that's through Muhammad. For the Hindu, that's through Krishna and the other gods, right? So. Everyone is in the same space, trying to experience the same journey, but some of us have chosen to expand our journey 
to include more of who we are, both our physical being and our spiritual being. Yeah, and for the spiritual individual, it is infinite intelligence, right? It is the universe because we we coin that as well as the higher being, the higher power. Branch, something interesting that you brought up is this um, good or bad consequences versus a reward, and you you tie it together with this self. But a lot of people grow up and made God in that image, you know, being punished, you know, sin. You know, if I do this, that, that that God's love is conditional on our actions and our behavior, as opposed to it is unfailing love. It is unconditional. It is by grace that we get it's renewed over and over again. But we grow up, especially in some churches. I grew up Pentecostal, grew up in the church. And, you know, I was in church every day with my grandmother. And there's that, you know, you can't wear pants as a woman. You can't wear jewelry. And if you sin, then you, you're a sinner. Yeah, it's like that relationship then comes down to good and bad. You're being punished, you know, punish and reward from the Almighty, from the um, the infinite intelligence, how you want to call it. Let's talk about that dynamic for a while, how messed up it can be. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a great example because what you mentioned is the core of that issue, that problem, religion, right? Mm-hmm. Religion is a man-made construct. Yeah. And like all man-made constructs, at its base is power and greed and control. And because that's how religions operate. See, if you take the teachings of all of the masters of the philosophies or the religions, again, at their essence, they're the same, right? Mm -hmm. Once the master dies or passes from this life, that void of leadership has to be filled somehow. And it is often filled with those closest to the master, right? But because they are not the master, their natural inclination as a man, as a human being, is to fill that vacuum with, you know, themselves. I want to be the new leader of the religion or the belief system, right? Because In my essence, I am not the master. All I know is what the master is taught. I don't necessarily have his purity of understanding. And because, because there's lots of people who want to take that position, there becomes this conflict, this infighting. You know, who's going to be top? Who's going to be next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get that hierarchy stuff. And the minute you get a committee going, you've got lots of people who want their way, you know, regardless of what it costs. And so the, the the essence, the purity of the religion begins to be manipulated and morphs. And now, you know, 2,000 years, 5,000 years, 6,000 years later, 10,000 years later, the religion, which is still here, is so far from its essence, love God first and most, Treat your neighbor as yourself. It's come so far from that, that now it's all about control Mm. and greed and power. And because that's what it's about, its design is to keep getting more people, more converts, in order to exercise that greed and that power and that control. So the only way they can do it is by uh, shaming 
embarrassing, you know, telling you that God is a punisher. It's by design. Religions have an agenda, and that's for you to have to think that you have to come to them and through them in order to have that relationship with God. That's simply not true. But, you know, we like to be told what to do. That way we don't have to think for ourselves Mm -hmm. and we don't have to make the decision. And then we don't have to suffer the consequence of the decision. We can blame somebody else. We can blame something else. We can make an excuse. That way we don't have to take responsibility and we can say, well, I'm the victim here. Mm -hmm. And that keeps me in that place of being victimized. It's a cycle that we get in. And again, the world and religion being part of the world, its design is to keep you enslaved in that place where you believe you know, that you don't know what's best for you, so you have to ask somebody else. Mm-hmm. And of course, they have an agenda, and that agenda in most cases is to use you to get what they want, not what you want. It's a, it could be a, um, and I say this lightly, a business, you know, religion um, comes off as a business because it, it needs to to sustain itself. And we can talk about that. It's a whole different topic. But I want to talk about consequences of avoiding taking personal responsibility. You say, you you know, you mentioned we want someone to blame. We we want to stay at this victimized um, space. And so we look at the church and blame the church when things don't go our way. <laughs> you know, we show up every Sunday or whatever it is, get our motivation for an hour and go off to the the rest of the week and live our life. But let's talk about avoiding personal responsibility and that effect on, on the soul. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, the thing about avoiding personal responsibility is the consequence is never in your best interest, right? When we avoid taking responsibility for our actions, be they verbal or nonverbal, what we're doing is trying to give ourselves an out. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like when you're in, you know, junior high school and you get called to the principal's office. Right. And you go down there and you think, oh, my God, you know, what did I do? What does he want to see me for? And you go and you sit outside of his office and you sit and you ruminate on all the things you've said or done that could possibly come back to haunt you when you step inside his office. Right. Mm-hmm. And you go in and all of a sudden you, you realize that. Whatever you were called down there for was not nearly as bad as you'd made it out to be on the way down there. Yeah. Right. And and we build this construct in our minds based on the things that we know we shouldn't do. Okay. We already know right and wrong. So if I'm making choices that are not in my best interest, then they're not in my best interest. And the the consequence of that choice is probably negative. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, you know, go the way I want it to. So this avoidance, this I'm going to blame somebody else or I'm going to make an excuse, it does a couple of damaging things. First of all, it damages my confidence. Right. Second, it destroys my self-esteem. And it keeps me in this cycle of I make a choice, it turns out to be a negative consequence. Why did I do that when I've been in that same place before and made that same choice and suffered the same consequence. And I already knew it was going to be negative. Why did I do that? 
And then worse than that, we go, we start to beat ourselves up because that's the choice we made again. And when we do this, we stay in this cycle, you know, that just simply destroys our self-image of who we see ourselves as. That's what the real issue is, right? When we take responsibility for our actions, yeah, it may not turn out great. It may not turn out like I planned. But if you think about Edison, you know, and they ask him after he made the light bulb, well, what did you learn? I know, you know, on the thousandth time, he figured it out. Well, he said, I know 999 ways that don't work. Mm -hmm. Right? That's what you have to take from the negative consequence. This, I made this choice. It was a negative consequence. It didn't work out the way I thought it would. But instead of beating myself up for making that choice, what can I learn from that choice so that I won't go to that same place again in the future? when the same or similar choice confronts me. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're at work and you have a, a team effort or a group, you know, you've got this task, right? And everybody is going to throw their two cents in. Well, there's always somebody in the group who is the alpha leader, you know, going to take control. And what happens is a lot of times we focus on the problem. We don't focus on the solution, right? And because we're focused on the problem, everybody's going to throw their two cents in about the problem. The idea is to recognize the problem and then immediately try and find the solution. Now, you can dwell on the problem for as much time as you want to or they'll allow. But if you immediately identify the problem and then immediately go to find the solution, you may not find the solution that works right away, but you'll start on the path that will find you that solution. And if you, you know, if it takes 999 times, every time you try that solution, you take from it what works and you discard what didn't work. And so every time you face the solution anew, you're coming from a little more knowledge that did work. That's how you get to the solution quicker, more fully, and you don't waste all this time. And that, whether you do it with yourself or with your family or with your coworkers, the idea is to find the solution that works. And the way to do that is start with the first solution and build from there. When you do that, you're not caught in that cycle of rejection defeat. Mm-hmm. Why did I do this? I'm going to beat myself up about it. And then I'm just going to keep going down that spiral, thinking that I'm unworthy, you know, and then that gets me into all my insecurities. You never grow that way. If you don't grow, your existence is going to be miserable. And you're going to pass from this life going, what the heck was that all about? Yeah, it's a failing forward, learning from all of those uh, mistakes and seeing them as a stepping stone to where you're trying to be. So that's well put. Uh, let's talk about your morning routine. Um, how do you get up, dress up, and show up? <laughs> well, Lenid, I'm very blessed. <laughs> you know, as a writer, as an author, I, my life daily activity is much different than, than most people. Mm-hmm. However, you know, I worked in that structure for many, many years, both corporate and entrepreneur. But what I do now is something that I teach my clients and and in workshops. You know, when I ask people why they came to the workshop, I get three answers. 
The first is, I came for the answer. The second is, I came for the solution. The third is, I came for the result. So for those who come for the answer, let me give it to you right now, and then you can go about your life. The answer is be prepared. Be prepared for success. Be prepared for failure. You know, be prepared for the unexpected. Be prepared for the expected. If you're prepared in your daily life, then nothing will catch you off guard. Right. Okay. So that's for those who want the answer, be prepared. For those who want the solution, then they need to go through the steps and or process that allows them to discover the solution. And the interesting thing about being part of the universe is we already have inside us all of the solutions. They're already there. What we have to do is discover how to bring them forth. And the third group who come in, they say, well, what's the results? You know, what are the results going to be? And my answer is always to them, get up tomorrow and look in the mirror. So that's how I approach my morning routine. I'm prepared for the expected as well as the unexpected. I look for the solution that solves the problem that I may encounter as I go through my life. And I always focus on the result that I'm looking for and ready to, you know, tweak or alter the process to get that result. Now, that being said, you know, like I say, my my morning routine is different than most people. I live in the middle of the forest. So I see raccoons and bears and foxes and all kinds of creatures. I've got uh, 26 laying hens, a couple of dogs and a cat. (laughs) And so I spend my morning routine, you know, with the things in my environment, with my nature. But even, you know, when I was working all the time, I would face the morning with be prepared, find the solution, you know, embrace the result. That's my morning routine. How do you get prepared? How do you get prepared for the morning routine? How do you stay prepared? Well, you know, again, my routine is much different. When I'm writing a book or a series or an article, I normally get up about three in the morning and mm-hmm. I write for about six hours. So that's, you know, the focus of my morning routine. Other than that, if I'm not involved in a project, a writing project, then again, my morning routine is to be one with nature. You have to take some time first thing in the morning for yourself, right? You've got to meditate or pray or get focused on who you are and what you expect that day. You know, you've obviously got objectives and tasks and projects, things that you have to attend to. But before you rush out the door to take to tackle those things, take a few minutes for yourself, you know, get grounded, activate your spirit, you know, go inside yourself, tell yourself the good things you like about yourself and the positive things. Don't dwell on the negative. You know, the world is always in balance. The universe is always in balance. It's always striving to be 50-50. That's what you want to do. You want to get in balance. And the way to do that is think about the good things you know about yourself. Think about the worthy things you know about yourself. Think about the good things in your relationships. The negative will always be there, but only if you give it power and strength. If you put it to the side, 
it will go find someplace else to be. <laughs> that's the dynamics of the universe. I love it. And that's well put. Uh, it will shrink. Um, you know, if you, because what you think about, what you focus on grows. And so you don't want to give it much attention. You don't want to keep feeding it because we are that, that bundle of energy, right? Because when we started this conversation, we are a spiritual being, we are an energy being. And so we are giving and receiving energy all the time. And so you don't want to spend much energy on the negative. Focus on what you want to see. Let me give your listeners a step-by-step of what we're just talking about, right? The power of thought. God is so great in his infinite wisdom and love. He's given us a brain that operates like a supercomputer, right? We can think, I read an article the other day said the average person has 60,000 thoughts every day. Mm-hmm. Now you know why you're so tired at night. Yeah. Within those 60,000 thoughts, the miracle is that you can literally change your thought at the speed of thought. You simply, you know, think about something else. What's really phenomenal about this is we can only focus on one thought at a time. You know, I can drive down the street. I can have the radio on. I can be watching the things around me in the traffic. I can be thinking of something, you know, in a relationship I've got at home or at work. All these things I can be doing simultaneously. But the fact is, I can only be thinking of one thing. I can only focus on one thought at a time. So if you are challenged or tested or tempted by something that's not in your best interest, simply change your thought. Mm -hmm. This is the power of thought. Our thoughts become our actions. Our actions become our habits. Our habits become our character, and our character determines our destiny. So if you, you know, a lot of the buzzword stuff today is about manifestation. That's what this is. If you want to change your life, then start at the base level and start changing your thoughts, because that's how you can change your life. So good. So good. Branch, I want you to tell us, how can we connect with you? Where can we find you? Where can we find your books? Thank you, Lenny. It's real (laughs) simple. Just Google my name, Branch, like a tree. Isole, I-S-O-L-E. That'll give you links to my website, to my YouTube channel, to my series, my books, my ebooks, my podcast. I'm the only one in the Google book. So <laughs> when you Google it, it'll be the first page that comes up. And there's links there. I invite everybody to check out the writing, check out the books. I'm always available for questions and comments. Uh, I'd like to say two other things. If you've enjoyed our time today, do me a favor, go to the platform you're hearing this on, give Lenid a great rating and review so she can keep bringing on guests who have your best interest at heart. Amen to that. Um, I want a quote from you, Branch. I know you have many as a a reader, as a writer, um, author. Give us one of your favorite quotes. My favorite quote to share comes from Hamlet, Shakespeare's work where Polonius is talking to his son Laertes. He says to Laertes, to thine own self be true. If you're true to yourself, then you can be true to the people who are important to you in your life. And if you're true to them, you can then be true to your world. And if you're true to your world, you won't be caught up in all the craziness that's going on. Be true to yourself. It's start with you. It's start with thyself and it's start with the power of your thought. 
Man, I love it when we can tie it back together. Branch, it's been such a delight having you on. Thank you so much for sharing. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. Well, all right, morning enthusiasts, that's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the best morning routine ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.